0: so with mountain Mountain man 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 and the wizard hey guys it's the wizard from tok Talk. um tonight's creepy pasta is titled the skinwalker by max milton on reddit make sure you go check him out well anyway i hope you guys enjoy it my father told me a story once i'll never forget it for a few reasons I think it's the first story he ever told me as a child. It was also the story of how my grandfather died. But honestly, this isn't the reason. You hear stories on TV or sometimes you overhear something in public places. People talk about ghosts and aliens and you think to yourself, that ain't real. They're making it up or they're mistaken or they're crazy or something like that. You just can't believe it. That is, until something happens, something that brings it all together, connects the dots in a way you didn't think of before. Before it happens to you, or maybe you hear the same story again and again from different people, it doesn't take long for the world to become a lot bigger than you thought it was. As I said, this is a story my father told me, but I never believed it. Even though he swore up and down it was true. It wasn't until I started clicking around the internet that I started to believe. I started to hear other stories just like the one my father told. It didn't take me long to believe after that. That's not what my father called it, of course. He never used the internet in his life. He wouldn't know what the online community had taken to calling it. When he chose to call it something other than it or that thing, he called it Skinwalker. After an old Cherokee tale his grandfather told him. But I'll tell you the story the way he told it to me. We were hunting one night in the woods surrounding the dairy farm in Ohio, where we lived at the time. He'd tell me. We were tracking coyotes. We'd kill them for 50 bucks a skin. They'd kill calves sometimes. We'd do it every night because we needed the money. Sometimes while we were out, would come on a deer and kill it. Other landlords didn't mind, and it would feed our family for a few nights and save us some money. Anyway, we were done making our rounds and heading home, walking because we didn't have a car or a four-wheeler back then would cut through the woods, that's when we came upon it. Blood, everywhere. Splattered on the trees, in the grass, in the creek, everywhere. At first we figured it was a pack of coyotes, would see how sometimes, when they weren't able to scavenge for whatever reason, did start hunting deer or cattle out of desperation. The worst was when they bred with feral dogs, But this wasn't like that. You see, when a pack of dogs, wolves, or coyotes attack something, they do it right. They'll pick off the one that's weak, sick, or old, or just small. They'll hunt it, draw it into a corner, someplace they can't get out, and they'll run it right into the biggest one, the alpha. And that deer will never see the alpha. It may hear it but it won't see it. All of a sudden, its throat was torn out, and it dropped dead. It's quick, it's clean. That wasn't what happened here. Something have came upon a group of deer. Coyotes wouldn't attack a group. Wolves wouldn't either. They'd get too much of a fight. There were three, I think, three bodies just torn apart. You'd see a head or a torso here a leg there. Predators don't do that. They don't leave scraps behind. Whatever had done this hadn't done it for food, done it for fun. But we, we didn't know that at the time, of course. We just saw a bunch of carcasses and figured it was something we had to take care of. I remember my dad yelling me to go home. Then he thought it was the work of a pack of feral dogs but I wasn't leaving him. I damn sure wasn't hiking through two miles of woods alone in the dark with nothing but a .22 and a pocket knife. It was only 13 at the time, so a twenty two rifle was the only gun I was reliably used. Dad had the shotgun and wasn't going anywhere without it or him. It took me a while to convince him But finally, we begun tracking whatever did this. It wasn't hard either. We just followed the blood. Either that thing bled a deer before it got away, or it dragged one for a mile. I don't know. What I did know is that I'd never seen my dad scared before that night. We started hearing the most horrible sounds. Now, I've been in a lot of woods in my life. I've been all over the world, but I ain't never heard noises like that. I heard things screaming. I heard deer, foxes, rabbits, raccoons, and birds, all of them afraid of something and high-telling it. Keep in mind that this may be 12 or 1 o'clock in the morning, except for the fox and some birds, nothing was supposed to be awake at that hour. But they weren't just awake, mind you. They were on the run. That's right. I saw a flock of birds flying straight in the trees trying to escape something. We came upon a pack of coyotes and nearly shot a couple thinking that they were, had their eye on us. But then we saw they were running in from somewhere. Nothing tore us. They didn't even notice us and went right by. Then some deer did the same. Then some rabbits, squirrels, and foxes. Even a couple of wild hogs. These critters were supposed to be hunting each other. And the only thing that they cared about was getting so far away from there as possible. We shouldn't have put two and two together. That maybe whatever we were tracking wasn't something we were supposed to see. It wasn't something, and wasn't something we could kill. To this day... I don't know why we just didn't go home. I guess we were curious. I think that's why my dad's nature, to go towards trouble, to fight. Being aware of the things my father did during the war, I figured it was the best to stay by his side. We finally reached an open valley. It was a normal soy field, but it wasn't in season, so it was just flat dirt. That's when we saw the tracks. Animals fleeing for us had leveled everything in their path. But where the deer blood was, nothing had taken a single step. It was like whatever was responsible had left it for us to find. The tracks were shallow. Whatever it was couldn't have weighed more than 100 pounds. But that didn't mean much. A bobcat weighing 40 pounds soaking wet could tear out your throat if you aren't careful the fact this thing was on the lighter side just meant it was probably quick it was going to be tough to hit so we follow the tracks and it didn't take us long to find out where they led there was an old schoolhouse that sits on the top of the hill half of it has been ripped out by a tornado but no one lived there not for a long time Sometimes we call homeless people in there or drug addicts looking for a safe place to shoot up. We figured maybe that's what it was. Maybe it was some sick kid riding a high, but we didn't think that for long. We got into within 50 yards, we heard a noise, sort of screech made of two different sounds. One was high-pitched, the other one was a low growl. It was making both sounds at the same time. If that makes any sense. We approached it to within 20 yards, and we heard another sound. Different this time. I remember thinking it sounded like paper being torn apart while someone was swinging water back and forth in a bucket. Dad looked at me, knelt down, and whispered. He told me I had to stay behind him because we are about to corner our prey. Any animal will fight when it's cornered, especially a predator. But we can tell by the tracks that there's only one. He tells me it's probably a single feral dog, mostly rabid. The plan, he said, was to sneak up on it while it was eating, shoot it, then keep shooting it until it didn't move anymore. Then slit its throat. And if it got to dad, it was my job to shoot or stab it to get him off. So he walked up with me right behind him. Just tad to his side. So I can see what it is. I wish to this day I hadn't. It was leaning over a carcass. Tearing out its flesh. And throwing what it didn't nibble aside. There was blood all over the brick. Glistening in the moonlight, it was pale white. It looked like a a man, but not quite human. It had arms and legs like ours, but it sat like a monkey hunched over. And its hands weren't normal. It had long fingers with claws at the end. So we saw that, and my dad hesitated. He wasn't about to fire at a person. So he cleared his throat to try and get it to turn around. I swear to God Almighty, all the noises just ceased in an instant. I ain't ever heard true silence before and never again afterwards. But for two seconds, nothing made a noise. I mean nothing. This made it all louder when the thing turned around, made this shrill cry, and pounced on my dad. It was clawing at my dad, removing whole chunks of his flesh. It started on his torso, peeling back the skin on his chest. Then it moved up. Tore out his throat, ripped his nose cleaner off, and gouged out his eyes. Then it scalped him and started digging in. I stood there, helpless, as I ripped off the bottom half of his jaw and the little bones in that tube in his neck. And then the ribs. I don't know exactly remember what happened, but somehow my dad's knife ended up in the thing's shoulder. And my dad, what was left of him, ended up on my back. I was running. And by God, going faster than I have ever ran before or after. And it was following me. I ended up back in the forest opposite the woods we started in. I was heading towards my landlord's house because it was the closest thing to help nearby. But even, that was a half a mile away. All the while, I could hear that thing screeching and moaning. I heard branches crackling, getting thrown around. It was crackling so loud and often that it sounded like someone was taking axe to every single tree I passed. But I never looked back, not once. The thought never even crossed my mind. Finally, I tripped and fell on some gravel, looked up to see my landlord and a bunch of his buddies drinking around the campfire. I screamed and cried, and they came over. I told them to call an ambulance, and my landlord looked at me and said something I'll never forget. What is that on your back? He asked me. Just as the words left my mouth, it dawned on him without saying any words. It was one of those flannel shirts my dad wore everywhere, he realized. And it was damn near all that was left of my dad. Aside from a bit of my father's head and torso, that's all there was. Absolutely nothing below his waist. Suddenly we heard it, the screeching. My landlord grabbed me, causing me to drop what's left of my dad on the ground, and I was fighting him crying because i thought we could still save him somehow but the truth is my dad had been gone well before i even picked him up and all I've done was carry a corpse back home my landlord had to pick me up and throw me inside before i would go with them he and his buddies all of us went inside together and they locked the doors and got their guns Landlord asked me, what happened? What happened? But I didn't know what to tell him. He pieced enough of it together to understand that there was something dangerous out there. All the lights in the house were on, and someone called the cops. They would get there as soon as they could, they said. But that mean 15 minutes. We looked outside and saw it walk in front of the fire that we made. No one knew what it was. One of them said it looked like an ape. Suddenly, something came crashing through the window. We all fired at it, but quickly realized it wasn't the thing. No. It was my landlord's dog. Well, his body, anyway. His head and legs were missing. We had just started pushing things in front of the doors and windows to form a barricade when we heard something in the garage. I remember one of his friends saying the doors were open. We heard metal and glass being ripped and smashed. We dragged a couch and TV in front of the door to the garage for added measure. It banged around some more and then it got quiet. Not silent like it was before. We could hear it moving around. And the guys were talking. Making sure their guns were ready. Someone handed me a pistol. No sooner had I cocked the hammer back when we heard something shatter upstairs. Then we heard it screech again, except this time it was louder, and it didn't echo and fade out because it was inside. We all rushed to the one door that led upstairs, and we got to it just as the thing did. It opened it just a bit, and four or five men just slammed into it. It managed to get his hand, though. Someone with a shotgun took care of that. Put the barrel right up to the wrist and pulled the trigger. Blew his hand clean off. That only pissed it off, though. Started shoving the door, clawing. We were on one side, pushing as best we could. And it was on the other, doing the same. The wood wasn't going to hold. Someone told us to keep our heads down, and suddenly, top half of the door was gone, and my ears ringing. There were splinters everywhere. Two or three of them were just unloaded on the top half of the door. I don't really know where it went after that. The police got there. I was still glued to what was left of the door. The sun was up before they prayed me loose. Put me in the hospital for a while. While I was there, a whole lot of people talked to me, but I didn't respond, nor for a long, long time. When I got back home, I got a job for the landlord, keeping up on the farm. We didn't talk much, not about the thing, but I signed up for the army when I was 19, and he sat me down to a drink of scotch as a send-off. I asked him right away what the police told him. The story they went with was a wild animal, probably a wolf or maybe a bear, that migrated north. I asked how they could say that when they had the hand. He looked at me stunned. He told me that the hand never made it back to the station. The cop who had it got in a car wreck. Drove right into a tree and died on impact. The hand was never found, likely taken by an animal. The cops, when they would acknowledge the hand existed at all, said it was simply a paw of a bear that resembled a man. I never talked to the landlord again. He went missing while I was in basic training, and no one ever saw him again. There were rumors that he owed some people money and he skipped town, but I don't think it was that simple. As for me, I never went back to those woods. Couldn't even if I had the whole goddamn U.S. Army on my back. That was the extent of my father told me about the incident in the woods. There was just one problem, however. My father lied. When my mother died, I... Don't think my father felt he had anything left, and that he might as well settle old scores. He returned to the woods, and I never came back either. The FBI was called, and they came out and put on a show for everyone involved. But I knew they weren't really looking. I had to get an agent drunk and slipped him a few fifties before he finally told me that they got a few calls, but those woods every year, but someone up and vanishing, but that was all he wanted to tell me before he got up and left with the rest of his team. He wrote the name down and did given the creature on a napkin. Of course, I didn't realize that's what it was at first. It wasn't until I put the words in a search engine online that I understood what they meant. Honestly, I would have rather not known. As it turns out, there are hundreds of stories just like my father's and as well as photos and drawings of the thing. And through the details vary, everyone who has encountered it agrees on one thing. It's still out there and there isn't a man on earth that can stop it. Thank you so much for uh, listening to my creepypasta narration on the skinwalker hope you guys enjoyed and uh we'll have another one on Monday and uh happy fathers day out there for everybody that uh fathers enjoy your day thank you remember keep your tin foil hats and your bowls close you never know what may happen